Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, welcome to Talk Easy, a weekly podcast of intimate interviews with the people shaping our culture today. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for tuning in. This week on the show, we have one of my favorite working musicians, Nico Seagal, better known by his stage name, Donnie Trumpet. Donnie, or Nico, got his start in music as a teenager in Chicago, Illinois. From an early age, he was a talented trumpeter, playing with bands like the Oh Mys. Even then, he wasn't merely content with playing a specific style of modern jazz. His interest in rap and rock led him to forming Kids These Days, which included two horns, a rapper, a blues rock trio, and a female singer. Many of the bandmates were Donnie's childhood friends, including rapper Vic Mensa. The band and their projects were ambitious from the get-go. Eventually, Donnie, fresh out of high school, moved on and immediately got to work. Within a couple years, he goes on Frank Ocean's Channel Orange Tour to play horns, works on Chance the Rapper's now dearly beloved Acid Rap mixtape, and then, as if that wasn't enough, he released his own self-titled EP, where he doesn't just play the trumpet, he sings too, and he sings well. All of this leads to Surf, which came out last year, the social experiment project he spearheaded and, in my opinion, his strongest, most expansive work to date, is a 16-song orchestral piece. There's rap, there's jazz, there's pop, R&B, some low-key reggae. It's truly one of those rare albums that has it all. And everyone from Erica Badu to Busta Rhymes makes an appearance. It's kind of an unsung masterpiece of optimism. In fact, I'm pretty sure there are a few records that have come out recently 
that make me as happy as this one. I am the thesis of her prayers. Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a feature song singing for my grandma. You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. Mine's is handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side, and beat the devil by landslide, praying with her hands tied. President of my fan club, Santa. Through it all, Donnie, like Chance, has remained unsigned by a record label. It's a conscious and political choice on his part, and something we get into during our conversation. We also talk about his fascinating childhood in Chicago, falling in love with a girl from high school, touring around the world, and a lot more. He even, and get this, this is true, he even reveals when Frank's new album is going to drop. Okay, I apologize, that was a cruel joke. Uh, that was not kind. I understand if you want to unsubscribe to this podcast or merely turn off what you're hearing now. That's not funny. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, uh, the album will have dropped already. Anyway, jokes aside, here is Donnie Trumpet. Yeah, don't ha- cool. you don't have to be polite on this podcast. Okay, cool. You can be. I can, like, curse and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. See, like, instantly better vibe. <laughs> instantly much better. Know? I know you're from Chicago. And it's the first reason I got into you, because I was born and raised there as well. And so Dope. I was like, oh, shit, like, I want to find out. But I don't know anything else. Like, where in Chicago were you born? I was born at Illinois Masonic. <laughs> okay. And uh, I was, I lived my first two years in the Logan Square area. But I, obviously, I don't remember. But that's <laughs> that apartment before, it was before like Logan Square became yeah very nice oh, yeah, and gentrified. Yeah, twenty years ago, right. so it was a very different neighborhood. There was like a dead body in our backyard that the police hadn't cleaned up for a while, and my parents were just kind of like, you know, would have friends over and and be like, you know, wary of like, oh, don't let them on the back porch and <laughs> <You> see because <laughs> there's know? a dead body there. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're laughing about that, but that's like that's insane right <laughs> that it was just there for a long time yeah i mean i don't know how long it was it's just one of those stories my parents tell of that apartment of like having to get out of there and you know finally finding a house and then you know i my whole childhood i the only home i remember is the one on uh coil in uh in rockwell it's uh in west rogers park mm. and uh yeah that's where i that's where i grew up that's my whole neighborhood my Never. What what age do you remember? What's like your earliest memory of that house? Maybe when I first got my dog, I got I had a dog named Cassie. She was a golden Cassie? retriever, uh-huh. and my my grandfather gave her to me. And um, yeah, we had we had a strong relationship <laughs> growing up, obviously. <laughs> and um, you and the dog, or you and yeah, yeah, me and the dog, and my grandfather, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought you were just close to the dog. No, like, yeah, we're. I was close to both, both of them. <laughs> but I just mean I. That was probably one of my earliest memories in that house. Right, right. It's like getting my dog. So in sixth grade, is that when you first th- started diving into music? Well, I, I was already in music um, for a couple years. I was playing like Latin percussion and drums a little bit. I, I had just started getting into like the drum set the last year or right. so, and. um and then in sixth grade, I wanted to be a drummer, but the band program had too many drum drummers. So I, so I said, okay, I'll play saxophone. And they said, 
well, there's too many saxophonists. So, <laughs> my dad actually suggested that I play the trumpet. Right. And I love that story. Yeah. I, I, I read that before. And I'm like, that's so amazing because it, <laughs> not only is your name, like the name that people most know you by is Donnie Trumpet. Uh-huh. That aside, like the idea that you could have been doing drumming or saxophone, but like <laughs> some, like there was just too many kids doing it. <laughs> and that radically changed the course of your yeah. life. Like, do you ever think about how crazy yeah, that is? But it actually makes, I mean, a lot makes a lot of sense for me, the trumpet being so versatile, you know, and like covering so many genres of music, you know, and it's used in such different ways through all those genres. So it really wasn't inspiring later in life to learn, you know, just how prevalent the voice of the trumpet has been and and how genre bending already that instrument can be because it's so tailored to each person it's so unique for right. each person were you were you immediately good at it did no. you have did you have some skills no. at all no no not at all it's you hear about it's this one of the like hardest the- instruments to <laughs> to learn to play it took me years and years i still practice every day trying to <laughs> trying to master the beast um, no, it took a long time of studying a lot of different types of music and learning a lot from records of trumpet players and, you know, instrumentalists and singers that I was influenced by and learning their music on the trumpet. And that was kind of the first way I mm. dove into that shit. Who were those people early on that you were listening to? Like in grade school and early high school that you were like, holy shit. Well, you really, I mean, you grow up listening to the music your parents play. I think, or like the music that people give you like in CDs, like I had a, or, or, you know, the CDs that you like steal from borders and stuff. Um, Were you stealing CDs from borders? <laughs> not me, just, you know, no. friends and stuff. Of course, um, of course not you. You would never Not me. That. I grew up on, on a lot of Stevie Wonder and uh, Michael Jackson and um, Johnny Mitchell and Paul Simon and, uh, a lot of Latin music, like salsa music, was always playing in my house, is always playing in my house. Yeah, just a lot of great singer-songwriters, the Beatles, like the obvious ones, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Bob Marley. Um, and then when I started, like, getting CDs, it was more, like, ludicrous <laughs> word of mouth <laughs> and um, Usher 8701. And uh, man, do you remember how good Usher used to be? Man, Usher still is, I don't, is so good. You, you, but like nothing I'm beats. just a huge fan. I can't wait to make that Usher album. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, Usher, we know you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I can't wait up. to make that Usher album. That'd be great. Is that is that a dream? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, it's much more a dream of mine to do stuff like that than than get like, you know, really crazy good at just playing the trumpet or something. Right. Yeah, I'm much more interested in making songs now. When did you start performing in high school? I started performing in salsa bands that my one of my teachers would like sub out and like call me to do um really? with with Papo Santiago and uh <laughs> Isu Orquesta. That's the man. Uh he's So your in, family just to backtrack, your family is they, is it Hispanic? There's yeah, there's Cuban in my blood. My grandfather was Cuban. Okay. And um and both my parents are, well, my dad is from Chicago. My mom was born in New York and in Brooklyn. And um, my grandfather on her side is, you know, super Brooklyn with it, super New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah. So I, I come from like kind of a mixed family. Um, 
It makes sense though, because like you're saying, you're listening to Stevie Wonder and Joni Mitchell. Like <laughs> yeah. you're hitting two spectrums there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're interested in not only making doing the trumpet, but making an usher album or like diverse. I think it's diversity that is key here. I don't know. You're always yeah. It's you're, Chicago you're, you're, too. You know, I, it is totally and going to going to magnet schools like. You know, Lincoln was, I was in the pre-IB program or whatever. So it was like, you know, kids from all over the city were in that program too, even though it was a neighborhood school for the most part. Mm. So that was, you know, I was influenced by everybody from all over the city my whole life. You know, it was, it was, it was uh, (laughs) eye-opening. It was inspiring. It's good to have everything. Like Mm -hmm. to have so many different voices forming your voice in a way. Exactly. Well, that's kind of what they teach you in like studying jazz music and stuff they teach you to like learn all these solos and then interpret them in your own ways and make them yours and i just kind of like doing that with music in general not just with solos right what was the group called in high school it was is kids these days or was it yeah well that that started that that, started jumping ahead is there something before that no i mean before that i was i was playing with the oh my's (laughs) okay and uh oh yeah yeah you got to do some research on them the, uh, the Omis is a classic Chicago staple of music, yeah. um, and Wait. I was I was blessed to be a part of a part of some of the earliest shows. <laughs> Wait, the Omis—that's an older group, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Those are my homies. See, wow, Those are my really? brothers. You were playing with them at what age is that? I probably started playing with the Omis when I was like fourteen. Oh my god. I thought, it was, I thought you were talking about a new group, and I'm like, that sounds like an old no, group. No, they I were know. already a group when I joined, and uh, they already had a trumpet player named Will Miller, but he went off to college. He went to Oberlin, right. so I was kind of the guy stuck around, yeah. and I was like filling in for him. He was kind of the top dog at the time, you know? At age 14, <laughs> like, what is that like to be on stage with established musicians? You're like, Man, I mean, it felt good. It was, I was already doing it in like, in jazz settings. You know, I was playing like little jazz gigs with uh, kids from my school. And uh, at Merritt School of Music, we had a teacher, Michael McLaughlin, who would hire us kind of to like be the band at some of these corporate banquet events, you know, and uh, we would play jazz musical wallpaper for these for these people. Is that what you call it? Musical wallpaper? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, we, we all loved it. We loved the experience. We loved playing for each other. You know, we love playing for McLaughlin. We love playing, you know, for for playing. But uh, and we were getting paid. It was the first time that we were like getting paid to play music. It was kind of a crazy concept, you yeah. know, <laughs> at the time. So you formed the kids these days in high school. Yes, with Liam Cunningham and Lane and uh, Greg Landfair and J.P. Floyd, and then we had a rehearsal. And Macy joined, and then a couple weeks later, we brought Vic in. Right. I was telling them that it would be cool if we had a rapper, and I knew this guy that was really dope because I went to grade school with Vic. He went mm-hmm. to Lincoln in the IB program with really? me. Really? What was he like back then? Man, we were <laughs> we were crazy. We were, but we were always <laughs> music heads. You know, he put me onto a lot of music early on, a lot of like underground hip hop stuff that I, you know, I love. Like Souls of Mischief and shit. Oh, that and, tattoo uh, shit. Man, just music in general. A lot of like funk music because we were breakdancing at the time. So it was in like. In grade school? Yeah. <laughs> you were having a good time as a kid. Yeah, definitely. And the whole time I was like walking around with this 
big case, you know, this, this trumpet case <laughs> everywhere we went, um, <laughs> all over the city, taking the train and the bus everywhere. And, uh, that was always a thing for me growing up in Chicago is like public transportation is a really big part of my, my growing up. Right. I learned every street and every number of every street yeah. really early on. I can recite that's every single one of them and the number and all the schools that I ever went to were at least, you know, 45 minutes away via train and bus and multiple, you know, multiple blocks walking and, I don't know. You learn. You learn a lot about the city. You learn a lot about your neighborhood. You learn you're just seeing so many. Yeah, people. you just see like, shit. Just like <laughs> the world. I, I the one. One of the problems with like living here, like in Los Angeles, is like you're driving everywhere. Yeah, there's no public transit. Like I don't go on public transit. Yeah, me. I, I don't know almost anyone. Yeah. So you're not. Ex- there's not enough life that you're taking in almost. Yeah. And I think. It shows in your music, though, right? Because it's not just one thing. It's it's a whole city that you're consuming, and then you're distilling it into your own sound. Exactly. I think that's fascinating. And the whole time that I'm on these trains, I'm constantly listening to music. Or right. I'm constantly I say, are you listening practicing? to stuff? My teacher, my teacher, McLaughlin, used to say that you can always be practicing. There's always, there's always something that you can be doing. Like, even right now, while we're sitting here talking, like, I'm... I'm thinking about a million different things going on. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> about the notes and, and the timbres and I'm thinking about the EQ that, that Corey's going to be fucking with later. And like, <laughs> I'm thinking about all that shit. And, and, you know, there's different like feet and like coordination exercises, there's breathing exercises. So I would be like on the trains, like, you know, <laughs> like doing all these super weird, like tonguing exercises and shit. Did the train give you a lot of time to both like create and think as yes. a kid? I I am a thinker. <laughs> I think a lot. Um too much? Um the train was the first place that I would listen and and really analyze the music that I was listening to because I really had nothing else to do. And I didn't want to do homework or read a book because it hurt my head. I would just <laughs> listen fe- fervently, feverishly listen and analyze what I was listening to and, and exactly what I liked about it. And um, and simultaneously looking outside at just my city, you know, passing in the in the windows. Right. And um, it was the first place I started writing, too. Because I, I did poetry for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was how I met a bunch of the people that I now still make music with today, including Chance. Did you get into poetry because you just had a lot of downtime and you were alone a lot? Mm. No, I think I think every creative person has multiple outlets. And music has always been my thing. But there's always like this this mistress or something you know 
there's always like another thing. Like Miles Davis used to paint right. and box. And yeah, uh he did box. And I think both of those things are creative offsprings of, of the way he thought about his music because it all is really connected, you know, the way words come together and the way music comes together. So mm-hmm. and even now, you know, my writing is very different than it was then. I don't write nearly as much as I wrote <laughs> at one point in my life. Um it's different. Mm. Yeah. Did the uh, music is different too. Did you, did it seem like things accelerated pretty quickly in high school? Kizzy's days got really busy really fast. You know, we started playing a lot of shows. We started talking to labels and, and we started doing like this whole crazy musical experience, (laughs) like in the middle of high school, you know, like smack dab in the middle of high school. We would miss weeks of school and, you know, miss assignments. And it it was, it was crazy. Like I'd always been a, a, good student not as good as Vic Vic was always a straight A student but I was always like you know A's and B's at least you know no C's C's were not allowed in my household right and um you were getting booked a lot kids these days Chance was doing his own thing but at a certain point you guys joined forces he would like come up and do verses and shit and uh he started making songs that I liked you know he was always one of the better people to perform at the open mics and shit. <laughs> um, was he, was he, could you tell when he was up there like really young that like, wow. Yeah, you can always tell. I think. I think a lot of the way music works now because of the internet and how everybody is so connected really is being connected and just who you know and who you feel like you want to work with right. is like such a powerful thing in music. Um, and just like having goals, like I want to make an Usher album, you know, and just like, that's going to happen, you know, like just like believing that that's going to happen. See, when you Um, say that, I actually do believe you. Yeah, man, you got, I mean, I never, I never would believe that I would have a Busta Rhymes feature on, on a song I made. I never would believe I had a Erica Badu feature on one of the songs I made. Like, these are all things that you just... You speak into existence and then you figure out ways of making it happen. Somebody knows somebody and really it's just the music. Cause as mm. long as they fuck with the music, everything else comes naturally, right, you know? Right, right. So yeah, it's always just been about recognizing who, who really has that music in them. You know, Fatima was the other person, no name, who, who, uh, who was really just like the best. She is. She's just the best. She like she is, (laughs) and her album I think is coming out this month. Maybe by the time this we're releasing this on Tuesday, she said in by the end of July. We'll see. Um, and I'm like dying, like oh man, I'm sure you've already probably heard it or heard something of it, and I'm sure it's fire. Don't speak to it. Don't (laughs) speak to it. (laughs) Keep drinking that mango smoothie. <laughs> okay, Donnie Trumpet EP. Like, let's go. Let's hop there because that that's shortly right. after high school, right? That what, was really what, com- what comes first: acid rap or your thing with Emilio? <laughs> with Emilio, I forgot we credit him. Wow, this is all so funny that you're bringing that up. Um, Emilio Chestevez is uh, a great musician engineer friend chuck bine and uh he he owns a studio downtown a beautiful studio downtown that like he really just works at exclusively and and doesn't 
he doesn't book that many like sessions in there really he just works with people there and i was like this broke high school kid like in a band that was trying to like go off and make music you know and didn't really have a studio or like know anything about pro tools or right 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 you just have a good any way musician. to do it you don't know how to like you didn't know how to like put the music out you knew how to make it right so we kind of had this agreement where i would like play trumpet on songs of his that he was using for other people or placements and other things and then i would get like time to make music with him right and we kind of <laughs> developed this relationship and he really blessed me i was oh no so acid rap came out before that what year is that i'm trying to remember I'm really bad with dates, honestly. I but I think that that was like 2013, I want to say. Right. But there's a time here that 2014, you... maybe? Well, no, but see that... No, I think 2013. Well, it doesn't matter. All, all I know is that you made, you made him cl- in quick succession, right? Like you were doing, yeah. you were, you were doing stuff on... Well, Chance I made a album. bunch of songs and then I went on... Frank's tour. Frank Ocean's tour. Yeah. So I put it out on the day of our first show, which was also my birthday in in Germany. <laughs> and I wasn't even, I wasn't even, you know, close to the States. I wasn't really like tweeting about it or like social media wasn't even then what it is now. Right. Honestly. I mean, it was, and I wasn't really like up on game. I wasn't one of the first people, you know, like tweeting and stuff. It wasn't right, right. high on my register <laughs> at first. Um, and yeah, we just made this album together and just put it out. There are about on iTunes three great songs on there. Yeah, <laughs> there's about there's See, actually about there's two great songs. two. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. about two Wait, good songs. Okay, what there. what are the two you think? And then I'll give Zion you and Players Holiday. Yeah, yeah, I actually like Pasadena too, but but Players Holiday. We were experimenting, and Vic was like my best friend, and is my best friend, and. He was just in the studio with me a lot, you know, and we were like making music and he he would be in there singing along and rapping along. Right. And that's kind of how those came came about. You're not a bad singer, by the way. Man, that's really old, but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, My voice not- sounds very different now, but I appreciate it because that was a that was a time when I was first experimenting with right. singing, obviously. It's alright I don't need your love no more I wish you knew What you meant to me I say that because I think like most people I discovered acid rap And then I like heard right. you playing and then I was like, whoa, wait, what is what is this happening? So yeah. that's how I discovered your stuff. And I was like, oh, he actually sings too. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's really not. I'm I not did a, I did a whole other sing rap EP called Illa Soul too. And that's... Uh, I've never heard of this. Is it good? Yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> I put Clear Eyes on there. You're experimenting though. That's the important thing. I was thing. experimenting. And I, I always like, I don't know, I have this feeling about that music where like i i almost want to just delete it from history what are you talking about but then i also 
want to honor and respect like the path and and like the growth you know i want people to be able to grow with the music i want people to be able to be like you know this is this person at this age and this age right. and this age and it's a different it could even be a different name you know <laughs> honestly i think in my opinion like honesty wins out yeah like you could you could delete it and then people could think oh you only just did surf but if they can see your whole trajectory like you making right. that ap and they see it all. And like, right. yeah, some of it's not that good. But there's a lot of it that is really good. And it's the beginning. That's what it's about. <laughs> Tell me about what's like a day in the life on a Frank Ocean tour. Man, that tour was was the sweet life for me and, and my bro JP. It really was a huge difference from kids these days where I was making no money to uh, having a, <laughs> a paycheck every week right and um having a job to do every day and traveling the world that was the first time i i was traveling outside the country and it was it was crazy it was yeah the, also you know, what a crazy way to travel like your first time traveling outside the country to right. be with frank ocean on a tour it was it was the sweet life what was it like playing on stage with him and just like making <laughs> just, to me personally like, that album is one of the best albums yeah. One of my favorite albums of all time. It's one of the best albums of like yeah, I agree. 2000s. I agree. It was crazy. I was a huge fan of his and it was the first gig I had ever done where I had to audition to be in the band and like beat out other trumpet players right. that all could play just as well or better than me. Being like clean and being uh, dressed nicely, like really like kind of signature moves at like job auditions or job right, right. you know just like, like normal like just like but really just being a good person <laughs> like being a really <laughs> nice good friendly person in those situations will always win because you always you want you're auditioning to yes be in somebody's band for a show but what it ended up being was months of being with this person every day you're auditioning so, to be in their life like, for a certain amount of time you're touring, like you gotta spend so much time with them we we yes and no i mean during that tour i didn't spend that much time with frank he was really doing his own thing he was constantly busy what doing a doing? million things he was recording with jay-z and he was you know p picking out cars and and doing his doing his thing you know like booking these shows and making sure everything looked perfect he was really big on details that was right, like aesthetics his, right <laughs> What were you doing on a day to day? I was playing the trumpet on that tour. Yeah. And that was it. Like and that you were was practicing? I was practicing with JP, but really we were just chilling because we knew the parts. We were sitting down during the shows. Yeah. We had suits on. We looked you but, know, it was kind of like orchestral. Yeah. We, you know? <laughs> I had a really weird, trippy uh jazz solo, like out solo on uh Sierra Leone. Oh, during the show i would love to hear that is that recorded somewhere probably i don't know i'm do sure you, it do is. you remember it even now like you've oh, done yeah. plenty of jazz solos since then no that but was one of my favorite that was one of my favorite moments playing the trumpet on here because the whole time during the show we were really just background stuff going right. on you know and just filling moments for you know that were on the record that that people needed to hear but then during that moment, it was kind of like, well, this is a live experience. This is different every time. This is weird. This is not like the record. And it, I think it was, we didn't do a lot of that 
on on the tour. You know, we played a lot of the songs the way that they sound because that's the way Frank wanted it to sound, right, you know? Right. And and he sang his songs beautifully. Yeah. And that's what the show was. It was it was one guy up there singing his songs, like really singing his songs. Right. Didn't you fall in love on this trip? <laughs> uh kind of across the world I started talking to a high school crush. <laughs> <laughs> um via like Skype. Oh, it was one of those Skype in, relationships. In like Australia. It wasn't a relationship. It was really just like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. What you been up to? You know, I've been on tour. I'm like missing home. I used to have a crush on you. I still have a crush on you. <laughs> <laughs> um type feeling. But, but I mean it, but it wasn't that yet. And and then right. I came home and Chance instantly hit me up and and we were going to you know, he wanted to go on the first tour, the social experiment tour. And uh, the first show was at U of I. And that's where my girl, girl was. Where my girl was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was interesting. We had like a reconnect then. And then we had, a, we had another show on the tour during like Thanksgiving mm. where she was home for Thanksgiving. Right. And then we reconnected then. And that was more like now we're more like together. Yeah, yeah. Did and it then work we out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the same girl. Same girl. Wow. <laughs> same girl. <laughs> That's good, man. Because you're what? You're 23 right now? 23. Dude, it's good. Like, people, are, I'm 21. Like, all right, like people our age, it's hard to say. I know. It's hard to say, especially given, yeah. I was thinking, because you're on the road all the time, and there's so many people, I'm sure, like, <laughs> putting themselves out there. They're like, it's a different type of atmosphere. You deal with sure. that, though, right? I'm sure. Yes and no. I mean, there's always ways of staying out of it, you know, uh, as long as you're honest with yourself, you can always figure out ways of be making the right decision. Hmm. It's it's really just mind over matter. Mind over matter. Okay. That's good. That's that's a that's a good thing that you've learned early on in your life. The brain controls everything. Hmm. That's a powerful lesson. It's interesting because I spend a lot of time on the road, I spend a lot of time in a lot of different places. Yeah, it just works out though. Just something, something about the distance, you know, makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, <laughs> some about that is definitely true. I mean, you know, feels feels much better being with that person every day, obviously. But then that's a whole different new problem. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah. When you went on the social experiment tour, and you left Frank's tour. Like you're now you're this is your job. Like you're you're in the thick of it. Like you were you were doing it in high school. Like mm -hmm. you weren't making enough money to make it a job. Mm -hmm. And when you were on this tour, did you feel like all right, this is my I'm doing this now. This is my job and this is my career and I'm making money? I think it wasn't it wasn't that tour that really made me feel that way. What was it was tour? uh you know, chance chance when we did the Sox tour, then we did like a European thing. We did another full tour. We did this Verge tour. There's a lot of tours. I saw you guys. It's a been few a lot times. of tours. I think once we started, like in the last year or so, once we started doing Saturday Night Live, right? Fallon. I think that world is more like, oh, this is my job now. Like well, playing shows is still kind of like, yeah. Or this is this is my job now, <laughs> you know? Or like I'm up putting here? out records is kind of like, this is my job now, <laughs> but. 
but doing those shows, being on TV, performing, rehearsing for those. Yeah. That's like, this is my job now. What about when, what about <laughs> when you made and put out Surf? Because that, that to me, I think was like, I always, I knew. But we didn't sell Surf. No, no, of course not. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But, but you know what I mean? Like you put it out into the world and no, people responded to it. <clears throat> that didn't feel like my job still. That still felt like making really? music. Yeah, because when that came out, I thought, oh shit, like Donnie's doing something on his own. This is big. Like it had you were talking about but you have a Badu feature on there. No, I mean it's it was crazy hours. It was a, a crazy amount of work. Like making it. So that and that was the first time I'd spent that long mixing a project or just thinking about one project for so long. How long did it take? It happened in phases, you know? I mean the first phase of just making random beats with Peter and then making random beats with Nate, and then making songs together as a unit, and then bringing doing songs with other people. It was probably in, in total like a year and a half, maybe a little longer to really like flesh everything out. But the last six months of it was like, was like intense, mm -hmm. intense listening, intense talking, intense hours, intense mm -hmm. emails. <laughs> it was just like everything. What were the intense emails? Just back and forth stems between artists or, you know, vocals right. being emailed around. Uh, was it hard? Because th that's an album, like, it's not like your Bon Iver, right? Or how do you, is it Bon Iver? I think it's Bon Iver, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he made an album by himself. Or, like, even Mac DeMarco makes albums mm -hmm. by himself. Mm -hmm. He records it all. Surf is like the antithesis of that. Like you have ten thousand people seemingly. <laughs> You're talking about like orchestral things. Mm -hmm. That album is like an orchestra. Every song, the layers of it, the different amount of. It seems like you have a lot of musicians. How I have you, a lot of friends. Yeah, that's good. I'm, that's good. <clears throat> how I have you, a lot of talented friends. <laughs> that's a good. Th that's a good uh, thing to have. Mm -hmm. But how do you coordinate? How do you make that thing happen? When there's so many people, you got to like rely on their schedules to line up. That was surf. That was me learning <laughs> that that's the album you hear is me trying to do that, trying to bring 700, 800 stems into a Pro Tools session and then all the... Sorry, what stem? I don't know what that is. A stem is like an, uh, uh, like just one violin in a section oh, of violins. Okay. okay. Like a track. Okay. Like yeah. Like one track. Yeah. Okay. It's a stem. Okay. So we would uh, make these songs in a computer that had specific sounds in it, and then we would bring those into a different session somewhere else and work on it with somebody else, and they would sound completely different. And then it would be like, I would just be hollering, no, no, no. And, you know, Nate would try and fix as much as he could. Right. And, uh, you know, Peter would recreate stuff. And I don't know, man. It was it was really it was really like a band. It right. was kind of like a band of people that all wanted to make an album of music as one, you know. But I brought forth that uh, nucleus. Mm -hmm. How are you as a boss, like directing <laughs> people what to do and emailing and coordinating? I don't really like doing all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I have a manager. Um, right. who handles a lot of that stuff. But recently I had to do it a lot for the taste and it was really unpleasant because I just like playing music and I like handling 
as long as the music's happy, I'm happy, you know, and I don't like worrying about everything else. But like what? <laughs> what are the things you have to worry about? Just getting everybody in the same place at the same time, one, you know, and uh, making sure that you have all the equipment you need and just mm. show day, man. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. You're talking about how it, you didn't feel like this was your job until after surf. But I'm curious, like, I was walking, just walking in here, like, mm -hmm. being in this space. It's like a great space. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, you're recording surf. And Badu comes, Erica Badu <laughs> comes on a track. Mm -hmm. You didn't even feel it then when you're like, Erica Badu is coming was, on my album. I mean, it was a surreal moment. It, 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 was, it was a crazy thing to happen. But the way surf, the way I thought about making surf was kind of obscuring the lines of what makes each track important. I recognize that Erica Badu is the superstar superpower that she is. And I, I'm sure she, you know, she wouldn't have minded or we could have talked about putting featuring Erica Badu and, no. and, and chance the rapper on that song. Yeah. And that would have been a thing, you, you know, or thing. I could have put featuring B.O.B. and Busta Rhymes on a song, or I could have put featuring no name and J Cole on a song. I could have put featuring, a lot of Janelle Monet, James I, Blake. Yeah, you had so many. No, people. no, James Blake. He's not on there. Mm -mm. Unfortunately, shouts out to James Blake. I'm a huge fan. I've been fucking fans now. From Caretaker. Yeah. No, that's Peter. I thought that was James Blake this whole time. Peter made that whole beat. Wow, that's a amazing song. That's it's like the a only song on Surf that I had nothing to do with. Really? <laughs> you had nothing to do with it? It's the only song on. Surf. It's just like you're there. It is. That was the band. That was the band moment. Kind of like how, well, anyways. Um, what? No, just that's like, it was part of the band thing. Yeah. It was just like, this song feels like it fits. The Beatles had that though. I mean, yeah. like, they'd be like, oh, John has a song. Did we write it? No. Did we know the instrumentation? No, he knows it. There it is. He's doing it. Yeah, there was other songs that I made completely by myself. And there was songs that Nate and I made by ourselves. Right. And some of those songs are demo 01, demo 02, you know, Rememory was a very early demo. Yeah. And beautiful song. The masterpiece of a song. Thank you, man. Really like it's I think it's so good. I love that song. Take a break when I break my leg. Say the day when I take her hand and she break my heart and she take her arm and a leg and a car and the kids and a court taking course on me. And of course I'm remorseful, more so for the kids forced to use Morse code. Poor souls ain't got no voices. Take a disco nap when disco's dead. And the word goes live and I fix those heads. And the discos flop but the track don't skip. And the words don't jumble and the milk don't curdle and the cookie don't crumble. And the one-eyed man scream, Marco, this no joke, disco red. Too late. The blind towns people finally found people. Kingdom came, freedom rang. Seen him saying, took his name. Who got the hook up on that Peter Payne? The book is broke, you shook his hand. You you were talking about how you don't you weren't featuring people. Mm -hmm. That's a very conscious choice on your part, but it definitely seems to feed into your whole idea of like you're not selling music. Mm -hmm. like you're really not selling music, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you are selling something because you do mm -hmm. have to like you're selling you right. Is that is that the thing? I think I'm. I think I just like uh, ironic puns and uh, <laughs> intentional. Uh, mistakes and i like surprising people 
and I and I'm always searching for something that'll surprise me when I'm making something right. new. You know, like something new that I've never done or that I've never tried before. Something else, some other sound. You know, and uh, you know, by calling the album "Surf" and uh, <laughs> calling it a pop album, and um, and not using any features, and really having completely instrumental songs and having uh at no point people recognizing certain people's voices and kind of taking advantage of that and almost manipulating that need for it you know uh-huh. like the need for star power you know or the need for like name recognition i just like i just like fucking that up you did it yeah I mean, you totally did it <laughs> you made an album completely singular where all these great people are working on it and you have to listen to every song to know it. I remember you saying, you have like, to listen. Hey, I'm not putting fucking chance on featured. You're going to have to, if you want to find chance, you listen to it. And I think that's an important thing. I but- felt that way about everybody. I felt that way about everybody that played instruments too, though. And I want, that's the type of feeling I want people to get like that guitar part during windows. Right. That is a lead vocal. That is a, a masterpiece of a moment and that's all music is is just moments it's mm-hmm. just these moments that happen and and the way you capture those feelings you know the way bj is singing on that song or the way rory is singing on that song like those are just moments those are just masterful moments to me you mm-hmm. know that i i wanted to i don't want somebody to rap over that i don't want somebody to sing over that that is that just let that's it be that and it could be a guitar it could be a vocal it could be a trumpet it could be anything it could be you know a, a keys or and you know any instrument it's strange because when you talk about this you make it seem like like it's an original idea that you had <laughs> and that you executed but it's kind of common sense right like it makes sense to me but it's I will- something it's something that has been done forever i mean it's something that's been done forever but just not in like necessarily this this way i don't know it will it's it's been done but it hasn't been packaged in the Mm. way that you packaged it are you ever going to sell your music i think i will make music that is sold i think i will always (laughs) make music that is free yeah and i will always make music that is sold and i think both can happen and both are okay i think both can happen and both are great and um I think the way it's sold is going to be very different if it is ever sold. If mm-hmm. I ever do sell music, it's not going to be in a very typical way, but it's going to be interesting. What way are you thinking? Just how people receive the music. I like that in smile the, you just gave in me. The physical, in that, the physical form. You know what smile that, that was? <laughs> that was, I have the answer. <laughs> but I'm not fucking telling you as, as we're on this podcast right now. Um... Is that what it was? Maybe partially. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the real answer is I have a lot of ideas about it and uh you'll know. You'll know uh, I'll know when I see it. That type way. You'll know. And I and, like I, and and that'll be that moment where you can be like, "Yeah, see, I talked to him before he really knew what he was going to do." And now <laughs> here it is. Have you always had so much confidence? Um no, I mean I don't I don't even really consider 
myself to be all that confident. I, think, I play the trumpet though. That's that's like kind of important. I think you have like a shy like shy confidence. Like you're low key and you're very nice and and then like <laughs> but like you're quiet but then also there's a thing in your eye which people listening to this like can't see but I yeah. can see it in your eye like oh this fucker has the answers and this he, you have like a bunch of things planned and you have you have a game plan. And yeah. You have ideas. I have lots of albums unreleased that I think some feel like albums that are sold. And like I said, it, it might be in a different way, in like a, a digital way or a physical way. I'm not I'm not going to say exactly how, but however they're sold, it's going to be more of an experience than just buying a CD or just buying a, a vinyl. Mm. That's all I'm going to say about okay. that. Okay, that's good. That's fair. So something I wanted to, just thinking about this, I was reading this last night on that Fader story. Yeah. And um, the person, the writer wrote, Oak Street Beach, before the kids these days show at the Metro, which I've been there. That was, you know, that's like one of the first concerts. I, I went to a show there with my dad. Mm. Like when I was Oak like Street. 14. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you, me, and JP stood out at one of the little underpass things, you guys pulled out your horns and I was freestyling over it. And we were selling tickets. That shit was hot. That was Chance in that Fader story. Mm-hmm. And I was reading that last night and I thought, holy shit, like that, there it is. There's like your start in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Is like, do you remember that moment? Yeah, there was lots of moments like that. Were there, there was moments ones? with with <clears throat> other bands too, like the Oh My's. I would walk down Milwaukee and, and Nick and Maceo would be out there singing and Nick would be playing accordion and, and you know, they would... <laughs> They would have like a little guitar case out for for coins and shit. Like, I, it's part of Chicago, man. It's part of you know we see the Bucket Boys all the time, and we see we boys. see like live musicians out there killing it. I've seen you know multiple trumpet players, multiple violinists, multiple cellists, and you know it's like it's a part of the culture almost of like busking. You know, being out in your city, and and it's a confidence thing too, man. I, I've played at a bunch of different places busking and nobody's listening. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody, you know, people tell us to move and <laughs> cops will tell us to move, whoever will <laughs> tell us to move. You know, JP and I were playing in uh, Berlin when, when we were on tour with Frank. We were just playing outside our hotel and like getting little coins and stuff. It was crazy. You know, Were, were you guys in your suits doing it too? No, nah, we were just okay, out there it was normal. chilling, but... Decided to play like Sam Cooke songs and stuff. Oh, it was cool, man. Busking is always live music in the streets is just so real. <laughs> in a way, is there is there a lot of is there much of a difference between that and what you're doing now? Like you're not selling anything. You're not you're not selling an album. You're still like, here I am on the street. Here I am on this album. It's free. Now, do you want to come to my show or not? Mm-hmm. They're just saying yes to you, right? Yeah, that's kind of I mean, I guess that is part of it. I mean, music is a is a is an industry. It's it's a part of the the job seeking community in in the United States and there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of different ways of making money and um I've been fortunate enough to not ever have to do another job. The trumpet has always taken care of me, you know, and my my listening and my musicality has always taken care of me. So I think 
man, as long as you, as long as you stick it out, you know, as long as you like believe in yourself and your music, then it it works out. Like right. it, it's worth it, you know, and other people will, will believe you too, you know, and people that make music are the first people that recognize that, you know, Busta Rhymes and all those people are not, not new to making music. You know, they, they're listening to these songs and they're listening to Chance talk about it or they're listening to me talk about it and they're, they're reacting, you know, right. they, they feel that, that type of connection the same way they feel when they make music. And that, that's everything. You stuck it out, but there are a lot of people who don't, right? You, you knew a lot of kids growing up and all the bands you put in, like, they were incredibly talented, maybe even more talented than you are. Yeah. But you stuck it out. Why do you think, like, what do you think it is about you hmm. that made you keep going when others said, you know what? I'm going to go to college. I'm not doing this. I don't want to do it anymore. I mean, there's no real answer to that except that I love music. I make music every day. That's my only objective and the only way I feel good every day. And, um, and it's always, as soon as I learned that, that that was a way that people lived their life, that was all I ever wanted to do. And I never did anything else because I knew that that was it. <laughs> I, I knew that that was all I was going <laughs> to do. And I, and I wouldn't, wouldn't bring pencils or like books to school. I wouldn't bring like <laughs> really lunch. I wouldn't bring shit. I had my trumpet on my back. <laughs> that was it. I was the guy walking around with the trumpet constantly. That's everything, you know. I'm going to go to this session. I'm going to go to this I'm going to go to this jam session, you know, in the projects by myself because there are great trumpet players there. Right. And I want to listen to them. Or I'm going to travel on the train for an hour and a half, you know, in the wrong direction to go meet this one trumpet player and take an hour long lesson. Because that's what I need to do. <laughs> right. When you're taking that train ride to play with the trumpet player an hour away, in my head I, I'm like picturing you on the train. You're and you're in the train. I'm on the red line. You're on, the, of course, the red line. I'm taking it to 95th Street, right? And I'm taking the bus east, <laughs> not west, towards Beverly. Doing those things, <laughs> I think about all this, and then I think, like, you did all that, and you worked hard, and you and you busted your fucking ass to get where you are, and then two days ago. You're playing at the Espies and you're doing like a Muhammad Ali tribute. <laughs> and a week ago, you were playing with the Roots in Chicago. When you're up there with the Roots, or like when you're up there doing a Muhammad Ali tribute, are you thinking like, oh my God, I did it. Like I, everything I, I knew, you knew you could get there, right? I, I Not, But the thing is, that's what's great about music. You're just never there. Really? You're never, never comfortable. Never, never satisfied. Maybe comfortable is the wrong word. You can be comfortable with your position, but you can never be satisfied in music. 
And it's like that in sports too, you know. You, you there's always somebody with a better record. There's always somebody uh taller than you. There's always somebody stronger than you. And it's like that, you know, with our music. I I'm constantly constantly trying to just be better, make better songs, make more interesting things, put things together, put things out in more interesting ways, scheme and collect ideas from from the people around me that do it in really cool ways. And uh and at the same time play a bunch of shows and pay the rent. Yeah. And uh and then these you know these award shows are are total honors and you know a whole different world honestly. That's more like work. Mm. I lo- I love it all, but that's more like work. Mm. Do you think you'll ever feel satisfied? I hope not. <laughs> that was the answer I hope you were saying you're going to say. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I never make something that I think is perfect or that I think is like the best thing I could ever make. Yeah. If if Illa Soul into a Donnie Trumpet EP into Surf is any <laughs> is any like indication indication, you know, I'm 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 happy with my trajectory, but I'm never satisfied with my with my current place ever. That's good. Well, shit, man. I, I wish the best for you, honestly. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. This is fun. Thank, thanks yeah. for coming on. Hell yeah. Shouts out to SoundCloud too, man, because I've been putting music out on SoundCloud for years, and it's just an amazing platform. It it really is. Oh, simple and plain. Last question. When the fuck are we getting that Frank album? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> well, there it is. A special thanks to Joshua Fisher for helping arrange this interview. You can find and listen to all of Donnie's music for free. And this is not a joke. It is for free on Spotify and SoundCloud, which I urge you to do. Lastly, a big thanks to Donnie, Nico, for coming on episode 16 of the podcast. People. Whether this is the first time listening to the show or you've been listening for a while, do be sure to consider giving us a review on iTunes. It helps us reach new listeners every day. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to do so at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod. As always, our beautiful theme music is provided by Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna. Social media by Maria Mayella. The show is produced and edited by Corey Atad. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at t slash unconventional awards. See you there. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.